Hello, we're back for another episode of the Wednesday's Child podcast. And I'm really pleased to say I've got a second time around guest, which is all very special because we don't do that very, very often. But I really love this guest and um, I know so many of you enjoyed her story. So on the topic that we're going to talk about today, you will be really delighted to hear her insight and experience. And I'm expecting my mailbox to explode with the reaction to this one. So welcome again, Pippa. Hi, nice to have you back on the episode. How are you? Hi, Debbie. Thanks so much for having me back. Really delighted to be here again. Oh, it's great to see you. So last time you were on, we were talking about your sort of early experiences of an eating disorder, particularly what always strikes me was the relationship with your sister and Sarah and I were just like completely in awe of how wonderful your family were with your journey. But today there was a particular topic that I wanted to pick up on and you got back when you knew that Sarah and I wanted to talk about this and you said, I'll discuss this. And what I love about the reason you want to talk about this particular topic, and I'll get there in a minute, I will I will talk, t- tell everybody what we're going to talk about, <laughs> but the reason that it means something for you, and I, I think this is so important, is because the term in the eating disorder get, community gets bandied around and bandied around so much. So what we're talking about today is all in. And I know for some people that means if you decide to go all in, you basically live on fast food from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed or you know, it's just kind of eat till you burst. I, I just really, when I say the words all in, or you see people post about all in on social media, what do you think of all in when you think about eating disorder recovery? Yeah, it's a really good question. And one that I probably should have thought about in advance what my response would be. Um, but yeah, no, I totally agree with you. It's it's thrown around a lot in the community. And, you know, for good reason, I think people understand that in order to recover, you do in a way have to go all in, you have to fully commit to it, and you have to really make it give it your absolute all. To me, I think all in, um, I think it meant basically throwing off any kind of um, rules, regulations, anything, any not not necessarily structure in a way that um, I think structure is helpful in recovery, but any kind of structure that was holding me back. Um, I think for me, the reason I decided to kind of, if you if you will, go all in was because if you've listened to my previous story or, you know, heard the previous episode I recorded, um, I've been in treatment for a very, very long time, um, like over 10 years. And I think because of that, I'd become, I, can't, I guess I want to say institutionalized in a way in terms of kind of the way that I approached eating and food and the way that I felt was, you know, was appropriate for me to exercise or not and things like that. And I think I therefore found it very difficult to know, to be in tune with my own body and to know kind of what is it that, you know, is right for me. I think there is a danger, isn't there, when you've been in treatment or you've been subject, even if you haven't ever gone into an inpatient unit, and you've been somebody that's been given meal plan after meal plan, you've been told, well, you can exercise but only in this way, or you can only go this far, or you can only do this much on this day of the week. Anything where we become quite subject to a regime around recovery, that makes getting spontaneity back ever more difficult, doesn't it? And I know it's a point where lots and lots of people get stuck. And actually, it's a point where parents and carers get really concerned about. We did our recent parent carer support group um, a couple of weeks ago. And some of the points that parents were making there was that they were petrified to allow their loved one to come off a meal plan because they thought the wheels would just come off. But the truth is, we can't live on a meal plan for the rest of our lives, not to be (laughs) truly free. Oh, 100%. And I think, 
that's you know that that's hit on a really important you know point for me and I think where I I got to a stage in my recovery where I'd been following my meal plan or I'd been doing what doctors had said or like I'd been you know following a regime or whatever it was and that had got me to a point but I would you know determine that point as quasi recovery I think I I was doing the right things and I had definitely made a lot of progress in terms of you know I was eating regularly I was conquering particular fear foods and things but there was definitely an, a huge amount of control that I was still exerting on the way that I I kind of had uh, ate and probably and also many other things about my relationship with my body and with food and I think I recognized that if I want to make any further progress and if I actually want to be fully free of this I can't continue to have that level of control over what I'm eating whether or not that be control that maybe is intended to be positive level of control in order that you know it's a, it's a routine that's helping me but I actually can see that my eating disorder is actually holding on to that and sees it as a bit of a safety net and I feel that I can't go beyond what that is at the moment and that was definitely holding me back and I think I was but feeling who knew that, that that was holding you back was it Pippa knew it was holding Pippa back or everybody around Pippa knew well, where were you cognitively able to, to, to kind of reach that conclusion I think I knew I think other people probably also knew um but I think it, this was at the stage of my recovery where I wasn't living with my family anymore um I was I was living in a flat share at the time um actually then I you know I actually kind of probably say I went all in as it were when I was actually back at home for lockdown but I think I'd recognized that I was a bit stuck um and I mean for me my all-in journey has been quite a continual you know a bit of a evolving um thing as I kind of you know start off thinking I was all in and then you know oh no I still I'm still holding on to that control and kind of recommitting and things like that so I wouldn't say there was one time but I would say it has been and that's something that I found to be particularly powerful in my recovery is it's definitely been a conscious decision from myself. Whereas maybe in the, maybe in the past, not that, yeah, there were definitely times in my recovery where I wouldn't say it was my decision at all. Other times where I maybe thought it was my decision, but I was still very much following the guidelines set by somebody else. And I think where the difference was with All In was like, no, this is something that I'm choosing to do for me. I'm the only one that can decide you know, whether or not I'm hungry, whether or not I, you know, I'm wanting to go on that walk for for good reason or for not good reason. I can, I can decide whether or not I fancy the chocolate cake or whether I actually do want that cereal bar, you know, all those things. I think all in for me was about all of those really subtle behaviors that actually somebody else couldn't necessarily from the outside tell me what the right decision was, because it was about me learning what is actually right for me at this moment becoming more like intuitive as it were with my body and with with my needs um and there was an element of actually consciously going above and beyond what I felt comfortable doing so for example I'd like for years and years and years and years I've been told three meals three snacks that's what you have to have that's what the structure is and I'm sure many people listening to this will be able to relate to that because that's what we're taught in treatment you know three it meals is three mantra, isn't it? And, I, and I think that's what worries me actually that how can any mantra like that be right for everyone yeah because we're all different bodies different lifestyles different way of living and some for some people it's just not appropriate no exactly and I had to you know I had to just learn that 
I've, there are some days where I need more than that. And I had to consciously do that. I had to really listen to that mental hunger where I was thinking about food, but I was like, oh no, I can't have, I can't have that snack yet because it's not four o'clock and four o'clock is my snack time. And my fear then was, oh, if I have my snack now, then I might be hungry later. And, but then it won't be, then I'll have already had my snack. And then I had to kind of check myself and be like, but you know, if I'm hungry later and I've already had that snack earlier, why can't I just have another snack? But in my head, that was something that you just didn't do because you have three meals, three snacks. And they're normally at these set times. If you have them earlier, then you're you're still waiting till the next one. And it was almost like I had my allotted amount of food and opportunities to eat food in the day. And if I, if I, you know, checked one of those off, then that was that. Um, And I kind of, and when you say that externally and you kind of vocalize that, you're like, you know, maybe to a well person listening to this, they might be like, well, that doesn't really make any sense. But, you know, it, it sounds is... very fatalistic, doesn't it? It sounds like it's it's a really definitive, it's this or it's that. But that's, you know, the black and white thinking is what we know to be true of people mm. with information disorders. And I've often said, when I've had kind of befriended conversations, that sometimes almost to make yourself think a little bit like a young child. And the beauty of being that young child is that actually they respond to just wanting to come and say, mummy, I need another this or, which is usually, you know, something chocolate or something, (laughs) but you know, they're not kind of checking the clock because for a start, they can't tell the time, but they're just responding to their body's need. And when they have a tantrum or when they're really upset, it's usually a response to the body saying, I need something. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think also there were a number of things where I think my body didn't trust me as well. I think because I'd been very controlling around what I was eating, obviously to a very, very severe extent when I was unwell and in hospital. Um, And then even over the course of the kind of the time that I was restoring my weight in hospital and then outside of hospital, I think I still did that in, in a very controlled way. And that is the way that treatment does teach you and does, does kind of, help you to go through that process I'm not going to comment on whether that's right or wrong because it's different for different people but I think I therefore had never shown my body that I was actually going to listen to what my body wanted not what you know I felt cognitively the control that I was exerting on on it whether or not that was a purposeful I'm going to try and recover and therefore I'm going to eat my three meal three snacks or whether that was a no I'm not going to eat and you know I'm going to be really restrictive around this and I think therefore often what people experience in all in and I certainly did was this kind of massive it's quite a big fearful like big big, scary thing to do because you're like if I let go of all this control that I'm having on the way that I eat then I'm going to want to eat everything and I'm going to want to eat all the time and that is kind of what happened to me like I would eat my you know eat what would be you know objectively a relatively big meal I might feel physically full, but mentally I wasn't satisfied. I wanted more. And I think that was my body kind of not really trusting that more food was going to come. And so I had, you know, my, my, my body was like, no, no, we have to make most of this moment because she's actually eating and you need to keep, keep going. Um, And I think where all in maybe differs from the kind of the more traditional methods is it would, you know, you are, you're given that permission to, to therefore respond. And one of my mantras was there is no too much. There is no too much because I had to teach myself that actually, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? I might have a bit more than I feel comfortable eating or feel a bit extra full that day, but I had to learn that my body could deal with that. 
And my body also had to learn that food was coming in regularly, that I was going to respond to it, not just, you know, as and when my snack time told me it was time to eat, but respond to it when it when it told me it wanted something and also respond to it with what it wanted. So it might be that my meal plan told me, oh, for an afternoon snack, you have a banana and a Nature Valley cereal bar. Other cereal bars are available. Um, (laughs) um, um, But um, yeah, I, of course, welcome to, you know, promote themselves for a <laughs> on the Wednesday's Child Podcast. <laughs> if anybody should be working for the marketing department of Nature's Valley or any other cereal bar for that. There we go. Moving on. Um, but yes, yeah, should I should I have not wanted a cereal bar and a banana? Um, and I actually really fancied the chocolate chip muffin and a frappuccino from Starbucks. Then I was perfectly I had I had to respond to that craving um, rather than the, the meal plan that was set for me. Um, and so I let's talk about the ugly bits because I know there will be people thinking I kind of want to do a pipper. I, I, I want to try all in. I've heard a lot about it, but actually, it doesn't sound horrendous. It doesn't sound like Pippa was kind of making herself go through the drive-through every two hours and and going to crazy fast food restaurants when she wasn't ready for it. You know, you sound like you did it kind of really quite logically, and your objectives about it were really considered. You wanted to be able to achieve spontaneity. You wanted to be able to allow your body to trust yourself and vice versa. But when we talk about allowing yourself to eat beyond the point of what your meal plan had previously allowed yourself to do, we have to admit there are the ugly points. There aren't there. There is the sitting with the um, uncomfortable stomach that feels like you've just stuffed your handbag full inside your tummy it it, it kind of has that feeling or going to bed more full and satiated than you have done in maybe the last decade when actually your body has been used to going to bed hungry um I don't know digestion wind belching gastroparesis constipation I go on and on and on did you did you kind of have to just say to yourself this is pretty rubbish but I'm going to go through this. Oh, yeah. And I think, yeah, I, I think it's a really good point, Debbie. And I think it can sound like from, yeah, when you say these things like, oh, it's a breeze. It's amazing. And actually, I would I would compare going all in with many of the other really, really difficult stages of my recovery, you know, in, in terms of the, you know, it was very different, but it was equally difficult. And I think it was a lot of reminding myself this will pass. And I think... I found it yeah I you know there were so many times where I was just like what am I doing when will this end when will this insatiable hunger go away will I really like am I really hungry or do I just think I'm hungry and you know so many doubts about what was going on and what my body was saying and often it's not as clear-cut as you know I said oh banana and cereal bar or chocolate chip muffin and frappuccino it's not often that clear cut it's not like you're sitting there being like oh I, I really want a muffin a lot of the time it's like I don't even know what I want I just know I want something and I found that to be that ambivalence and that constant questioning and then when you did make a choice you just felt horrifically guilty and was like oh I didn't even like it that much and now I'm like you know and there were so many times where I was just like didn't really it wasn't like it felt necessarily right and I think I wanted it to feel right all the time and like me to be perfectly sure that I was doing everything perfectly and I think that's also 
a danger with this term all in is that you spend the entire time thinking I must be doing absolutely everything all the time that I possibly can to work towards my recovery and obviously I'm a massive advocate of giving it your all and give everything you can but it's just not possible to do it perfectly and I would spend a long time you know I'd go go for a week and think I'd made loads of progress and then I'd be like oh but I was still restricting there and I was still doing that there and I it was only in hindsight that I'd look back and be like oh I wasn't even all in because I was you know still restricting or I still didn't let myself have that when I really wanted it and I think where there were elements of a compensatory mindset that was still going on even when you thought you were doing something well I I think I can remember certain times where I thought well you know kind of here I am sitting having you know a piece of chocolate cake and a massive latte in a coffee shop well outside of my time frame but then getting distraught because the piece of cake that I thought I'd been wanting for the last five years because I hadn't had that kind of piece of cake in a cake shop with a friend like that because it didn't taste particularly fresh and it tasted a bit dry that just insatiable anger that felt like oh well, like you say well, it just wasn't worth it oh no I'm really annoyed now and I had mm-hmm. to realize that actually that was my mind saying you're not really doing it because you're not really kind of changing the way your mind and your body regulates this process and as you say, it isn't always going to be perfect. So that's, it, it's that mental adjustment that has to happen as well as committing to physically putting more in. Yeah, definitely. I think you have to be really conscious of your mind because I found, and actually this came up in um, one of my befriending conversations with my befriending the other day around the way that she almost uh, like thinks about, and I definitely did this, thinking about how, how you're eating. So I might have something, you know, that I, I felt more, you know, more nervous of eating. So I don't know, something more challenging that maybe was more calorific or more unhealthy as it were. Um, and I would, in my mind, I'd justify it, even if it, it was like, you know, even if objectively on the surface of it, I would, and, and I wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be able to tell that I was doing that in my head. I'd be like, oh, well, it's okay because I'm having a slightly safer dinner or it's okay because, I, you know, I, I, and like, it wouldn't be that I'd, you know, purposefully planned that safety dinner. I just know that it was, and I'd, it would be all these kind of these constant mind negotiations and, you know, trying to calculate what, whether things were okay and whether they fit perfectly into my day and all those kind of things. And I think that's where it really, you know, the rubber hits the road and you have to be like, no, I have to make this not okay. Almost the point of it is it's not okay. And if it feels okay, then that probably means that I'm, kind of probably satisfying my eating disorder in a way and therefore I need to go and make it not okay if I'm you know if I'm trying to make it okay then that's kind of wrong yeah so yeah it's a bit of a minefield (laughs) well it's a lot of one so tell me about some of the other challenges that you kind of encountered so there was obviously that like just you know slipping changing the the routines and that restriction that changing some of the mindset dealing with how your body feels when you've given it more to eat what about things like did you notice was it a period where you had to go through lots of changes around your clothes or those kind of things that just make you more aware, more conscious of yourself? Um, any kind of, did it trigger any body checking? Did it make you very much more aware of your physical appearance? How did you deal with other people responding to your changing, uh, it, even like your changing approach to eating, not just changing approach to what your body looked like? Yeah, definitely. I think there were definitely many of those things. So I think my, my body changed, uh, definitely did. And I think you know, it needed to. Uh, as I said, I was at a kind of a quasi stage of my recovery. And I was, you know, to the outside world, 
looked well I was so much better than I had been and I think that was one of the things that was really difficult for me is that I had and then you know I'm not saying difficult everyone has these things in difficult ways but I think I was like but I'm not as unwell I'm nowhere near as underweight as I was and that was quite a difficult thing for me to justify eating all this food because I was like I don't even need to anymore because you know my BMI is XXX and I'm you know nowhere near where I was and all of these things so I think but and then consciously almost going beyond that and and seeing my body change as a result of what I was doing um that was that was very difficult particularly knowing you know that it was a point where I almost like I didn't need to um because my body was healthy-ish but uh, you know I I also kind of I know that my body really wasn't healthy there I had to remind myself that I was working towards a body that was happy for itself, not happy based on some societal, you know, definition of what healthy was. Um, But that was that was definitely very difficult. And other people have got used to my body in a particular way. Um, Even just this year, actually, my my little sister's getting married um, and um, we got my wedding dress. I'm not my wedding dress. I'm not getting married. And my bridesmaid. <laughs> um but quite early on actually after she got engaged and I tried it on quite well really more recently and it didn't fit me anymore um and you know my body is still changing it's changing shape it's adjusting to the to the weight changes that that happened and you know there's no denying that's difficult you know watching your body change and not knowing where I think also for me I'd been ill since I was you know basically before I'd gone through puberty. So I didn't know what my body was going to even look like at the end of it. So it was kind of this blind faith in that my body would somehow work itself out and it would at some point stop gaining weight at some point when it was happy. But I kind of had no idea what that was going to be. And I'd got very used to what my body looked like. My family got used to what my body looked like. My friends got used to what my body looked like. And I was just kind of like, you know, no one understands that this needs to change. And I think I found that to be a really lonely place, actually, and a really lonely time for me because no one knew. And I, I did speak to my family about it. They knew that I was consciously trying to kind of get more well. But because the battle was so much in my head, no longer that visible thing that was going on and it no longer like looked like I needed to make these changes, I suppose, and both from a physical perspective of my body, but also like the way that I was eating, I think. I found it really lonely because no one really knew this kind of absolute chaos that was going on in my mind. And it was harder to vocalize and harder to explain because it felt less justified because it didn't look like it needed to happen. Um, So that was that was really, really difficult. And would have been at a point where actually, you know, it would have been so easy to fall off the bandwagon every now and Hmm. then, wouldn't it? Because it's much, much more difficult to keep yourself doing it when you know that actually everybody else has stopped rooting for you in quite the same way because from what they see physically you look a lot better so they're not desperately worried about you no longer being here this time tomorrow and you know so somehow them not being as anxious about you almost creates a well why do I need to do it why do I push myself anyway and you talk about sorry carry on I was only going to say, you talk about falling off the bandwagon. I mean, I didn't, you know, go into full growing relapse, but I certainly didn't. It wasn't like I committed to all in and I maintained that motivation all the way to the end. I think there were definitely moments where I, I didn't slip backwards, but I would stop and I'd get quite stagnant. And then I'd have to like, you know, it might, that might go on for, you know, it might go on for a couple of days or it might go on for like a month or so. And I'd suddenly be like, oh dear, I've not been making any progress here. 
I need to get back on, step up my game. And it would be a conscious, it was kind of like, rather than this kind of, you know, straight line trajectory, I see it more as like a stepping stepping kind of stone or maybe like a bit of a wiggly line really um but it yeah, that happened for me as well because I think I got to certain points where my metabolism started to shift a little bit it yeah. was almost like it knew I wasn't going to be going into famine so actually the kind of it was using up what I was what I was eating more quickly I wasn't in this permanent state of kind of shut down slow 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 things started to rev up a bit and all of a sudden I'd be like okay I'm really hungry like even more so than I was hungry before and I thought I was eating a lot before so kind of things like that happened as you say in those incremental steps yeah and I actually found actually touching on that that I found it quite difficult to like keep keep on in, on touch of how much I needed to be really making progress and I think it was quite easy to almost it was almost like my I was quite good at keeping my body at the particular suppressed point that it was at so actually it was it was quite difficult to realize and it would almost be a subconscious thing that I'd revert back to this kind of slightly suppressed way of living and actually I had to be really active and conscious about going beyond what I thought I needed to do because actually my perception of what I needed was not actually the reality of how much I really did need. Yeah that's interesting I think the other thing that happens is the more that you are getting well and you are responding to your hunger naturally other things in your life happen so you start to have more of a social life you're not just as lethargic and sad and you know your social life starts to expand a little bit and all those things naturally enough mean that your body and your brain is just kind of going about life a little bit more so it stands to reason that the kind of the requirement for fuel inside the body that keeps everything kind of going is there's going to be more demand on it isn't there definitely and also that's like actually just kind of reminded me of another thing which I think is like once you start doing more because you're because you're kind of you've got more of a life it's then less of a priority because yeah. you're focusing on your life and I found it very difficult to get the balance of I really want to be investing in my friendships and I want to be working hard at my job and I want to be, you know, seeing more of my family and doing all these great things. But also I've got this like full-time job going on in the background, which is recovery. And actually I can't, I, I, I found it really difficult to get that balance right because I want, I don't want to miss out on time with friends and, you know, or time with my family, particularly given how much time I'd not been able to spend with them when I was in hospital and the time before that and the amount of time I'd missed out. And I really wanted to, was excited about my life. And for once it felt like it was opening up, but at the same time, if I, I couldn't, you know, I, I had to keep my my priority had to be my recovery because I knew that if I didn't focus on that, then I'd stay in this kind of quasi state and, you know, always be at risk of things going downhill or, or, or just be at risk of living this kind of half life. Um, actually, I did take a bit of time out of work at the very beginning of my kind of all in journey, not forced at all, but I decided it was, it was, it was near the beginning of it, but um, it was in 2020, July, 2020. And I actually kind of was like, I can't, give my job I can't no sorry I can't give my recovery my all while I'm also focusing on my job um and I didn't think I knew it wasn't a long-term thing because ultimately I knew that I had to learn to live my life and do my job and do all the things I want to do alongside keeping up with my health and keeping my you know responding to my body's needs but I kind of knew for that moment I needed to get my focus right and then I went back to work and have been able to kind of keep going with that all-in recovery alongside work but I did take a bit of time out 
Um, but I do think there is there is such a battle there and it's really difficult to get the balance because you it's great and it's a good thing. It's a really good thing to build your life and it's a really good thing to be able to kind of, you know, be involved in, in, in life a bit more. But if it sways over to distracting you from your recovery or stopping you from doing the things that you know you need to be doing, then it's actually not in your best interest. And actually that investment and time and commitment in your recovery is going to be so much more important for making those things in the future much more sustainable. Yeah, and, and actually um, one of our podcast episodes that's just gone live fairly recently was talking about sometimes needing to take a gap out of your career or whatever in, in terms of aiding your recovery. And a few of the responses I had in my email over the last couple of days were about people saying, yeah, do you know what? I deliberately know that I did use my career, the busyness of work to, in a way, aid my need to stay in a suppressed body weight and in a kind of poorly way, rather than saying, actually, I'm not really giving my all to my career either. And I'm certainly not giving my all to recovery, Mm. taking a little bit of time, readjusting identity and then deciding, well, do you know what? I didn't like that job altogether. Or actually, I do really like that job, but now I've got 100% more energy to commit to it. And I've got friends as well. And, you know, it's a much more fulfilling role to be doing. So it sounds like where you're at today, taking that short period of time out to fully focus, which obviously coincided with COVID for you as well, didn't it? So, but where you are today, it feels like you, you're kind of comfortable that you've got a balance in place that you can maintain this level of recovery journey. Yeah, definitely. I think so. And I think I've, it's been, you know, this constant balancing act and, you know, life is always going to be a balancing act, isn't it? But I think I've learned to, I I think my body trusts me more now. Like I think I'm much more in tune with what my body needs. Um, But I think I, I know what my body needs and I know what to prioritize. And, you know, just thinking about it when you were talking, I was like, well, I think one of the genuinely, I know it sounds really practical, but one of the reasons that swayed me towards taking that time out and why I also struggled with kind of seeing friends along alongside my recovery was, you know, having back-to-back meetings and stuff and needing to eat in between those things and really struggling with the amount of, you know, the, the regularity or the amount of food that I needed to eat alongside kind of keeping up with with work and then more recently obviously as things have opened up when I go and see friends you know we might go for a drink but we might go for a walk and then how do I fit in eating and things like that but now I think I just don't you know I if I have a back-to-back meeting in between you know in the two minutes between the meeting I'll just run and like grab a cereal bar and I'll either turn my camera off and eat it while I'm in the meeting or I'll you know I don't know just have it like literally in like two minutes and I think that didn't even seem like a possibility to me before. And I think I now just, you know, I, I, I'm not so emotional about my routine towards food and, you know, all the times that I need to eat. And they're not these precious moments in my day that mean that I have to like, you know, think about it really carefully about when am I going to do this and how am I going to do this and how am I going to think about this? Because I can just, you know, just fit it in around my life. And I think that was the flip from like, food having to be the priority and it did have to be the priority for a time and my ability to be able to be in tune with what I needed and make sure that I was consciously choosing recovery choices whereas now that's almost intuitive now and I just I just I just need I just do that but but alongside everything else that's going on and I think it needed that focus time for me to learn what that was but now it's kind of a bit of a kind of an organic fitting into my life now because it's just not 
it's just not such a big deal anymore it's not the hyper obsession that it once was mm. and I think when you know that it no longer is and that actually it's just a part of life it's just a function that we do like you know having a scratch or going for a wee it's just it's one of those things and we don't overthink it but when we're in that really poorly state everything we do feels like it has to fit around oh but I was supposed to do this at this time and how can I do this if I can't eat at this time or whatever so I think you're absolutely right it's kind of committing the right amount of time when you need it to get to recovery to then suddenly get to this stage where actually you feel like you've got that much more freedom that life life is more I don't know there's just so much more to life that if you drew a pie chart I suppose of your life and you get Mm. friendships and your families and your career suddenly food becomes this tiny little slither like in the big pie chart but when you're in an eating disorder world I think it's a flip on the head of that isn't it 95 percent of anything we ever think about is when am I going to eat what am I going to eat how much can I eat how quickly can I eat what time is that going to be who's going to be there at the table with me will the table be with this cutlery or that crockery and actually that just all goes away when we allow Mm. ourselves that time so whether it's an all-in process or whatever it is it's kind of just reaching the recovery journey that's right for you and honestly it, it really sounds like you you kind of you nailed it in a way that that just worked for you and that just felt very intuitive and would you say that now you are more of an intuitive eater or do you think you're not quite there yet or do you struggle with that term I struggle with the term because I think it gets I think it gets thrown around in kind of wellness culture quite a lot and I don't like the associations that it has um I would say most of the time yeah I am quite intuitive with what I eat I think most of the time I kind of know you know what do I fancy what do I not fancy I still think I sometimes overthink these things I think I sometimes you know I'm still used to kind of you know trying to make work out what I want when I want it that kind of thing and I think one of the other things that I was thinking as you were talking then Debbie and I think is related to that question is I think as someone who has a a legacy of having an eating disorder I don't think I can ever afford to kind of fully let food not be at all a priority I think for me I think there is always going to be a danger that if I accidentally and and it, it may well not be you know purposeful have you know not don't eat enough don't keep up with my energy needs you know exert more energy than I'm I'm have I'm taking in at that time I'm always going to be at risk just because of my health legacy because of my genetics because of all the things that I've been through I know that that's something that I can't afford to let slip so I think as much as yes I'm intuitive around what I eat and you know when I fancy something I will generally try and have it if I know that I'm not going to be able to eat at a particular time in the day or um, you know what I maybe fancy isn't necessarily substantial enough based on what I'm going to be doing for the rest of the day then I do have to consciously check myself and make sure that I am putting something in place to make sure that I am getting in what I know my body needs because I can't afford to let those things slip and whereas someone who maybe doesn't have the health legacy that I have can you know go you know have you know, not eat it enough for a few days and be fine. I know that my body is very, very um, sensitive to that. Um, and it might well be for the rest of my life because of what it's been through over the, the past, you know, decade. And I can't afford to kind of not let that, you know, be somewhere in my priority list, whether that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take up this kind of massive part of my life anymore. And I'm really grateful for that. But 
it does take up a bit of that pie chart because it needs to, um, because that's what I need in order to let the rest of the pie chart be there um, rather than it all being about food. Um, so, yeah, I don't know whether that answers that question. But yeah, I, no, I, I definitely think it does. And the only thing I can sort of relate to, I think you, you can uh, you sort of see even the most seasoned and accomplished actors speaking and when they ask them about kind of do you ever get nervous or you know do you read your lines or and more often than not they'll say yeah however many years I've been doing this I think it's a good thing that I have an element of nerves because it keeps me it, it keeps me mindful that I've got to perform right now and I think it's a bit like that with eating disorder recovery it's kind of like knowing you know your craft now you kind of know the lines of the script but actually being a little bit nervous being a bit on edge and reminding yourself to check your lines i.e be on top of your food is no bad thing it just keeps you mindful that you don't let yourself slip and I, I think that's kind of it's just it's a little bit of a barometer for yourself isn't it every now and then just check in mm, definitely and I think you know there are still occasionally like random thoughts that I still do get and that aren't you know aren't well thoughts I suppose that pop up so I wouldn't say I've you know I think you know this all-in journey has been quite recent really so there's not really been a huge length of time for my brain to fully rewire so I do think I do need to be mindful of that and I think I hope that those things you know they gradually do get less and less over time but I also think there is still some conscious thought that does need to go into my recovery just to make sure that I do stay on that right track that any like kind of last legacy bits of the eating disorder or legacy habits or anything you know they don't take hold um and things like that so yeah I think it's still it's still part of my conscious I guess awareness but nothing to the extent that it it used to be or or when I was really in that intense part of that all-in journey that's amazing well thank you for sharing that I think it's really helps kind of blow the myth about what an all-in journey really needs to be and I think for anybody that's thinking like even listening to this thinking do I want to do all-in is that right for me I would just say, you know, you've heard Pippa's story and you've heard stories from myself and from Sarah and many others that have joined the podcast at different times. You have to find what works for you. The one thing you have to absolutely do is be committed to it and just not allow that incredibly powerful ambivalence to kick in at any point, no matter what journey you choose. It's for you and you alone. You can't blame it on whether you're living with family, living with friends, the fact that you've got a busy job or that you've now got children to look after you. You have to be really committed to saying, where are these excuses that are keeping in the way of my consistent recovery? And I think in that respect, you can do it whether you do it non-all-in or all-in or Pippa's kind of all-in or Fred Smith's kind of all-in. It really is unique to you. But take aspects of all the stories that you hear on podcasts like ours and on blogs that we share because there will be something in a story like Pippa's, a story like mine, a story like Sarah's that you take away that you think do you know what that just sounds like something that I could work with and we all need lots of tools in our toolbox for recovery and we long, we will as Pippa says if you're going to get over that kind of legacy health journey for the future you need to take every little crumb of resource and help and advice that you can so I hope that somewhere on this episode you've taken something really valuable away from what Pippa has shared so thank you so much Pippa for sharing your time with us again we'll have to find another topic you'll have to come back there's always (laughs) all the good things happen in three so you'll have to come back and talk again (laughs) thanks so much for having me it's been great to be back oh you're welcome thanks again for listening to another episode of the Wednesday's Child podcast we'll be back again really soon with another wonderful story guest for a chat between Sarah and I take care and keep focused on recovery